Hey everyone, uh, my name is Kyle Kegler. I have a new life in Christ that I'm recovering from an addiction to my own comfort through food, choosing safety and security over walking by faith, man-pleasing, and a wrong view of what it means to be a man. Yeah, so it is so fun uh, to be here uh, with y'all. I just wanna, before I jump into my testimony, I wanna take a second just as the campus pastor and say thank you. Um, just for the courage that it takes to step into this room and start to deal with things that uh, are really difficult and really hard. And um, I got to sit where y'all were a couple of years ago, and I would just tell you that Jesus did uh, really phenomenal things in my life, and you're going to get to hear about some of that. But one of the things I'm really appreciative of you being here tonight is one of the things we want to be at Watermark is we want to be a safe place for everybody. Uh, no, matter, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what happened last night, man, we want to be, this to be a place where anybody can come. You can invite friends, family, and it's safe for you. And you guys help us do that every single Monday night. So thank you uh, for what you do for our campus uh, and keeping this a safe place where we all get to fall in love uh, with Jesus. So, uh, well, my need for recovery uh, begins in a suburban North Dallas neighborhood uh, with a Mayberry facade that hid the subtleties of image management and a lack of of marital connection between my parents. Uh, my mom was a Christ follower who put her Christian faith on hold, hoping the man of her dreams would lead our family spiritually. But looking back, how could he lead something that he did not know or did not understand? At the age of 15, to my total and complete shock, my dad walked into a family meeting and declared that he did not love my mom anymore and that he was leaving. And over the course of several weeks, we were on a roller coaster of leave, stay, leave, stay, leave, stay, until I finally asked my dad to leave and declared, I never want to see you again. Uh, that was way too true, you'll hear in a minute. Uh, my parents had raised a moral, independent, hard-hearted, highly competitive kid who grew up looking for the approval of others through athletics and trying to beat everyone in everything. Once my dad left, uh, my approval addiction intensified and manifested itself in some of the following things. That being moral so I could look good on the outside. Eating for comfort and developing habits of eating what I wanted, when I wanted, how much I wanted without any discipline whatsoever. Everything became a competition, a comparison. How do I look to these people or how do I look compared to those other people? Insecurity and people-pleasing was a significant motivator for me, always trying to prove I was worthy. I had a deep, deep, unhealthy hunger to be respected by others. I stuffed every feeling I had except elation when I scored a touchdown or struck somebody out on a baseball field. I developed what I called the suck it up syndrome. Build a wall, no one gets in, I've got it under control. What I didn't understand was it was building a wall and creating a lack of compassion and mercy towards other people. I had a disdain for family. My motto became who who traveled lightest, traveled fastest and farthest. I had no desire for a family. And so in my college and young adult years, God did some significant healing uh, during those years. But in the last few years, I began to understand that God was inviting me to a deeper, more intimate journey 
of transformation. I was aware of the symptoms of my sin, but I was clueless as to the core issues, and I'm still learning what that means. And so I jumped into Regen, committed to do the work, committed to memorize the scripture, meditate on the steps, praying, hoping, trusting that God would help me tackle the deeper issues that I knew were unsettled. And so Colossians chapter two, eight through 10 became a, a, a passage for me that was so helpful. It says this, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men or according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. And that passage just basically says that, hey, I, I have bought into what the world says about who I am, what it means to look good before other people to accomplish to all that and not bought into what Christ says. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. And I just continued, was hoping, praying, God, help me submit to you so that you can teach me more of who you want me to be. And he answered that prayer. God went to work throughout the process and to help me identify more symptoms and more of the core issues. And so one of the, I would say, diamonds that I brought out of my time in Regen is what I call this inventory tree right here. And I don't know how well you're gonna be able to see this, but throughout the process of um, Regen, I continued to work on this thing right here because I wasn't sure what my core issues were. I knew all these things were true about me. I struggled with food, quality, quantity, how much money I spent on it. I feel, I, I struggled with emotional disconnection. I just didn't want to deal with things. I was passive and lazy, poor communication and conflict skills. So we're not going to read all 16 or 15 of those things. But those were the things that were, that were in my life that I was like, hey, this is not right. This is not healthy. And so through the regen process, I was able to figure out, hey, this stuff all comes from a wrong view of manhood, a fear of man, an addiction to safety and security and to comfort. And so what that did for me during that process is I stopped trying to tackle the 15 and I could add another 15, right, to those things. I stopped trying to tackle those things and I could focus on what's the truth about these four things at the bottom, the core um, things that were affecting uh, my heart. And so during Regen, I was not surprised by my addiction to comfort and need for approval. Those things had been living in my life for a long time. What I was very surprised by was the significance of my father wound and all that it affected. And so I just chose that I've got to highlight this and deal with this as I go through the 12 steps. And so I told you that my dad had left the family. What I didn't tell you <clears throat> was that when he left and I told him I never wanted to see him again, that he pursued me like crazy. And every time he pursued me, I gave him the stop sign. I said, not interested. And three years, actually four years later, he passed away, had a heart attack by himself, working on a house uh, with that relationship completely unreconciled. Never been to the grave, never contacted his family. I totally shut that down and stuffed it. 
And the worst part of that whole decision is I remember late, right before he died, I heard secondhand from a, man, a family member that he, that he said, hey, leaving my family was the worst thing that I had ever done, and I remember celebrating. And it was, I won. I beat my dad. Right? I won this thing. And all the time, that was just creating an incredibly hard, hard, hard heart for me to be able to deal with my stuff, but also to be able to love and care for other people. Well, during that season of my dad leaving, my mom's unconditional love paved the way for me to trust Jesus as my savior. Is that the way she loved me, cared for me, pursued us, made sure we were talking, sacrificed, made sure we had what we needed at that age. It was easy because of her love to say, okay, I get unconditional love. I get what that means. And so I wish I could tell you that I walked deeply with Christ from that moment on, but my motive for living rightly became more about pleasing my mom so she didn't have to deal with some crazy rebellious kid. So I kept performing, kept people pleasing. Mom, coaches, bosses, even into the ministry years. Uh, I needed respect so desperately, and I was good at building ministry, building teams. I received encouragement in those areas, just which continued to feed this deep need for respect, yet always fighting to prove I was worthy. It was tiring to keep up the image that I wanted people to see. One day, as I was reading through the Regen workbook, I read, if you've, if you've hurt or been hurt by a deceased person, write them a letter. And so as I read through Regen, I continued to say, hey, this dad wound is a really big deal that I haven't dealt with. And so I did. So I sat down over the course of several weeks, and I wrote a five-page, single-space letter. In uh, early May 2016, I had my soccer chair, and I had my five-page letter. I had a couple of water bottles. I had some Kleenex, because I knew I was going to cry my eyes out. And uh, I pulled up next to that graveside. And I just sat there and I spent an hour and a half and I read that letter. And I just cried my way through it, laughed at times. Uh, and so I wanna read just a few excerpts from that letter that just to show you the, the work that the Lord had done in my life and the healing um, that that brought. So here's what it said. This is May 4th, 2016. Dear Dad, this letter may be a bit confusing to you as I have never made any concrete steps to process our relationship as it pertains to, this, to the decision you made to abandon our family. Our relationship has obviously impacted my life over the years and at various times I have processed, journaled, prayed, and talked to close friends about the hurt that came from your choices. Choices you made both when I was a child and ultimately the choice to leave our family as I was moving into high school. In the past year, through a biblical 12-step recovery program called Regen, I have spent more time on our relationship than ever before. Through that process, I have identified resentments and hurts that have affected me into my adult years. In summary, those were, I felt abandoned. I lost a father, mentor, coach, teacher, role model, and eventual granddad. I watched my mom hurt and go through great pain during those divorce years. I watched my sister grow up without a dad figure in her life. I lost relationships with extended family. The divorce created incredibly hard conversations and awkward situations for me. 
I missed opportunities to do things with my dad, fishing, cars, projects. We had final financial difficulties. I became emotionally hard-hearted. I had an unhealthy need for respect, distorted view of family, a poor view of manhood, and financial insecurity. And dad, although the previous list is long, every time I wrote one of these down, I could also write a redemption story about how the God of the universe came to my rescue, saved our family, so much so that many of the things I listed are no longer characterizing me anymore. He guided us financially and emotionally. He guided my life through those difficult circumstances, so the harm that was caused by your decisions and the enemy meant for evil, God meant and used for good. I've been at peace for several years and have long ago forgiven you for the decisions you made that were hurtful to me. I now have a great deal of compassion for you as the role model and training you received on being a parent, much less a godly parent, were poor at best. I do believe you were doing the best you could absent a relationship with Christ, which to my knowledge was never present or at the very least never modeled. Dad, I would love to switch directions now and process how I might have hurt you. The most surprising revelation during my regen process was how blind I was to the impact my decision had on you during that season. I was arrogant, selfish, and until December 2015 did not even consider how that decision to cut you off might have affected you. I cannot imagine the pain I caused you by deciding to never see you again. I can only relate it to the imagined pain if one of my girls decided to disassociate from me and choose to never see me again devastating. I am so sorry. Please forgive me for being so selfish and mindless about the suffering that was going on in your life. I deeply regret that decision and the pain I caused you. And here are the specific things that I would seek forgiveness for if you were alive. I would ask your forgiveness for rejecting your initiations to see me, for leaving any time I knew you were going to be present at practices, family functions, spending your money without ever saying thank you, not saying thank you for many of the action photos you'd sent me of me playing baseball or football, celebrating victoriously when I heard secondhand that your decision to leave our family was the biggest mistake I ever made. I was a distant observer at your funeral. Dad, I was not open to reconciliation. Please forgive me for that. Didn't even allow it. I gave you nothing but stop signs and deeply regret that you passed away with our relationship unreconciled. I am extremely grateful for the grace and mercy of Christ that has forgiven me for these hard-hearted, selfish actions I took against you. I would do things very differently if I had a do-over. I want you to know that God has given me an amazing, God-fearing wife who loves me deeply in spite of my father wounds and many other shortcomings, and we have a great marriage. God's blessed me with three amazing daughters who walk with Christ, desire to be impactful for his kingdom, and have brought incomprehensible joy to Tricia and I over the years. Over the years, God has brought 15 to 20 of the most amazing men into my life and allowed me to deeply walk with them. Many of the father wounds I've carried have been healed because of the way these men have loved, lived, laughed, cried, battled, competed, and cared for me. It is one of the most treasured gifts in this life. I'll finish with this. I hope by some miracle that early in your life or after you left our family or when you experienced your heart attack that you came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. 
and that you and I will get to reminisce and celebrate God's great redemption in the midst of sin, pain, and confusion. That would be amazing. If that did not happen at any time in your life, I can with great confidence say that I trust the God of the universe with all things and that his ultimate plan is good. I love you, Dad. I'm truly thankful you gave all that you could and that God sat enthroned over the whole situation and worked it out for his good and for his glory. And so it was incredibly healing. When I was sitting there that day, there wasn't bells and whistles and angels singing and all that kind of stuff, but man, something clicked, right, that gave me a peace and a freedom to walk more deeply with Jesus than I ever had before. And so I'm continuing in my recovery for the food, right, for the people pleasing. That stuff has not gone away. It is still there. It's still a battle for me. But I just want to encourage you with the things that I'm continuing to do to try and live and walk the steps every single day. I hope this is encouraging to you. I keep the scripture memorized and meditate on them often. So as you go through Regen, and I get a chance to mentor guys now in Regen, and the first thing I do is I make them memorize all 12 of those verses, and I ask them every time we're together, give me this one, give me this one, give me this one. And so it is so important to keep that scripture close to your heart. I remind myself that even in the midst of the mess that God is there, when I look back at those days when I was 15 and my dad was leaving and we had, my mom and I sat down and the expenses were however 25000 and the revenue coming in from her job was 15000 And I said, hey, let's take that tithe thing that's in that deal and let's put that towards expenses. And my mom said, no way. That's God's money and he's the one that's gonna get us through this thing. He was with us in the mess. He's with you in the midst of whatever mess you're going through. Three, I I review my regen tree often. Focus on the root causes and the scripture that combats the lies, schemes, and traps that are set for me. I talk with my community, close friends, and staff about my addictive behavior and invite feedback and admonishment. I review my one degree. And all that is just, hey, what are the things that God has used in my life that I can give him glory for? And one of those things is that I had chaos in my family. And then God allowed, provided a a healthy family for me. And then I was the family ministry director at Watermark for several years. Is that God took that chaos, that mess, and he turned it into something that he could use for his glory. And then I have a heightened awareness of step number one. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And so the result of my recovery process so far is a newfound peace and freedom. And my kids know in a very different way that their dad is a mess and that he doesn't have it together, but that he deeply wants to cling to Jesus. And then they now know that they're a mess and that they need to deeply cling to Jesus. Thank you.